Looking into the back of house at restaurants, we talk to someone who knows the exhilaration and pitfalls firsthand. Explore that world with us today on Tip of the Tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Joe Mellorine, a chef with a passion for his craft who has a story to tell. So Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for having me. So I'm really interested in how you came to know that you had a passion for food. Started when I was a lot younger than I knew that I wanted to do something with food. Uh, it started when I was a kid and my grandmother was a cook. She wasn't a chef and she was, she was our rock in our house. She taught me about a Trinity. She taught me about a Mirepoix. But she didn't learn these things through a chef or any kind of education. She learned it through trial and error and my grandfather being a tyrant and not liking ill-cooked food. And we were from Chalmette, so we knew what quality cuisine was supposed to taste like. And she gave me my backbone of, of culinary and like how to hold my knife and just wanting to ask more questions, be curious, pursue things that I was ignorant about so that I could grow and maybe be a chef one day. So you spent a lot of the time in the kitchen with her? Yes, ma'am. She let me play around. She let me mess things up and, <laughs> and burn things and, you know, ill chop things that weren't supposed to be chopped that way or you know, I, uh, I had a grandmother like that too. My grandmother let me be in the kitchen and she didn't care if I made a, a little bit of a mess that had to be cleaned up or anything. So I, I totally get that. Yeah. And you like <laughs> that. You're having fun. You're a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I was a kid and I didn't really know that that's what I wanted to do. Um, my grandfather was a welder. So I, I thought, you know, I wanted to do something with trades. So, yeah, but that wasn't it but I, it was food it was definitely food um you know because I didn't want to starve <laughs> <laughs> and and so when did you start to feel that you you had a talent when when people started to compliment the food that I made from the recipes that they gave me um when I was a kid and I think it was fourth grade or fifth grade I won the sandwich making contest and <laughs> I thought that was the best thing ever. And it wasn't that I did anything, you know, extra ordinary. It was just, I made a great sandwich and it, and it was literally like from those days of people telling me, Hey, this is really good. Your gumbo is amazing. You know, um, my stepdad is Filipino. So I learned how to make things that, you know, normal, white American kid from Chalmette is not going to make, he's not going to make Ponset and, 
or try to blood sausage. Lumpia, yeah. Yeah, or adobos. <laughs> and so I, I, I got lucky by not putting myself in a box and saying, I only want to do this or I only want to be that. Uh-huh. And I never really, I never really figured it all out. You know, even as old as I am now, I still haven't figured it all out. So I'm kind of just, you know, I'm still trying to be a chef. Right. You know, it's a learning experience. No, no chef is ever going to say, I know everything because you don't know everything and food is always evolving and you'll never catch up. So you might as well work hard and, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> so when you finished high school, were you working at, as a chef or as a person in a restaurant during high school at all? Yeah, when I was in middle school, I got a job as a dishwasher. Mm. And, cool. okay and this yeah, is Chalmette, louisiana right yes yes okay. ma'am i started washing dishes for about a year and a half and then slowly started working my way into cooking and working at different restaurants and then i had some troubled paths you know uh as we all do i, I had problems with addiction and alcoholism and um did that start as early as high school? Yes, yeah, started actually way earlier than high school. I was in elementary school when I started drinking. Uh, and then we started smoking pot right after fifth grade. And then my life just kind of like took a tailspin for the worst for a many, many years. Um, and then when I was about 20 years old, I kind of got my parents back together and I started going back to school and unfortunately the kitchen kind of led me into drugs and alcohol so I was like well let me get away from that so I spent years developing other trades I went to auto mechanic school I went to welding school I went to carpentry I laid concrete I was a fisherman for a while so I never that's why I was like I never really felt like I was it. I never really felt like I was a chef, even even after like the trials and tribulations and like working for other great chefs and seeing what they have to go through and putting myself into it as well. I it just. So where where when you were say you got into addiction, what were you addicted to? It started small. It started with just alcohol and marijuana and it party drugs it started with coke and then from coke it went into methamphetamines and then to chill out the methamphetamines I, I started doing heroin and then um you know it none of that is a good light none of that is uh what you know what we would want for our kids or anything so it was like what are you doing and were you always, were you still in Chalmette when that was happening? No, ma'am. I was in Colorado at the time. I so was working at, there. I was working at Garden of the Gods, uh-huh. um, the Kissing Camels, which is just a, like a little resort that also does like golfing and such. Yeah. I, uh, out there is when it, it really started to tail, tailspin down. I had a, I developed, I had a, I had a wife, I had a son. I had a whole life. I had a house. 
cars, the whole thing. And then, um, you know, one thing after another, you know, kitchen drugs are usually just Coke. Uh, Coke's very expensive. The next best thing, we'll get some methamphetamine. And that's not as easy just to stop as one would think. Uh, the percentage of people that are that are actually off of that drug is like two percent that make it off of the drug, you know, compared to like, you know, the rest of the 98 percent you see kind of like wandering around the streets. So uh, was the whole kitchen where you were working? Um, it, 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 it didn't really matter the kitchen. It was the people that are in the kitchen that would influence me and. I guess I'm a weak person or I gave into it time and time again. And it costed me job on top of job on top of job. And not just like, you know, oh, this is, you know, you're working at McDonald's. We're talking like career jobs. We're talking like real restaurateurs that have developed, you know, devoted their whole life to this. And then here comes this guy, me. I just want to learn. And I have a great work ethic. I work hard. You know, I'm I'm head to the you know grindstone or nose to the grindstone, but it's the it's the addiction that that debilitates me and keeps me from really um, saying I'm a chef. So, how long did you did you live in Colorado, and where did you oh, go after that? I was there for almost seven years. We moved there because I wanted to change. I wanted to get away from the city. I was living in Colorado Springs, so it was more like a suburban mm -hmm. town. And I thought that that was the I thought that was the out that was going to be, you know, my my saving grace. How I, you know, how I became successful or whatever. But th it was not that was not the, that was not the case. <laughs> so then where did you go after Colorado? After that, uh, that's when like the divorce hit and all of like the really heavy stuff that, you know, that hits in your life that you don't really plan for started happening. And at that point, I didn't know what to do. And I kind of felt even deeper into, uh, um, you know, even I was, it just got, it just went even further. And then at that point, uh, I was still working because I didn't want to beg, borrow or steal for what I wanted. <laughs> Uh, I'd, I'd much rather work for, you know, what I want. Uh, so I would just take on jobs and they were always cooking jobs and every kitchen I would work in, uh, it was, it was there. It was always there. It, it's always there. If, even if you're not looking for it, it's there, you know, it's right. But I, uh, I spent, uh, but uh, I'm so sorry. I went from Louisiana to Colorado and then from Colorado, I went to Vegas. I went to Utah. I went to Oregon. I went to Southern California. And then I went to Mexico. Trying to learn about myself, where I needed to be in life, who I needed to be around just trying to trying to figure out who I am and and just how to be a better person so I can help other people be better people. 
Because I mean, you... that's the whole that's the whole part about being a chef is like you're a mentor, you're a builder of of others. You know, like yeah, you, you know, your life is hard, but the the line cook that's standing right there next to you, his life is just as hard as yours, you know, and his life, you know, you have no idea what he's going through. And usually he'll bring his problems to work and he'll miss days. And, and you as a chef, you can't do that. You have to be, no, you, you have to be there. You have to put, you have to put that restaurant over everything else in your life. You know, I've, I've slept at restaurants. I've worked 16 hour days. I've got up at three o'clock in the morning and gone in. I've done that whole thing and I miss it. I definitely miss it, but I feel like it steals something from me every time I go into a kitchen. Um, not, not that it's bad, but. So did you ever go into rehab, like formal rehab? Yes, ma'am. I have. I, uh, I was that I, useful I, or or was it? I mean, I I'm asking out of real curiosity to know whether it it's a good thing or or not. I I tried it. It just I I did NA. I did AA, and um, a lot of them is just you have to give yourself up to a higher being. And I don't know what's out there, and I don't. If I can't touch it, I don't believe it. Kind of thing, and. Um, yeah. So it's hard for me, but mostly I just try to, I'm, I'm a loner. I like to be by myself and the least amount of interactions I can have with another human being that is trying to, you know, incite the, the fire within mm -hmm. to party and have fun. I, um, I try to stay away from those people nowadays and try to stay away from that that you know that crowd but unfortunately that's where i would like to be <laughs> <I'm so sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> well so are you working in kitchens now no ma'am i'm not i'm actually reselling stuff online i buy things i buy stuff from big box stores and then i resell it to people who want to play it you know who want to pay more for it it started with just pokemon cards and just <laughs> miscellaneous things but it's kept food on my table and it's it's kept the monkey off of my back i guess uh to where like i would go into the city i would try to go get a job and and at very very good restaurants and uh, when i say the city i mean new orleans and every time i would just it would just i would just mess it up I would, you know it would i would backtrack or it's not that I wanted to, it's not that, you know, these are the things that I want in my life. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, is it, it just, just the, is it the intensity of the work? Because. No, I, that's, that's the thing. I love the, I love the physical, the, the mental fortitude that you need to do these things. Like you need to be able to not only react, but predict what is about to happen, you know, inside your kitchen you know, and you've also got to be watching all the other hands that are helping you, you know, because like if you let something cook for too long, you can ruin the stock. You know, a lot of people don't think that, but, you know, like little things that people take for granted, just your cuts. 
you know, you could be mashing the green, you know, your vegetables instead of using the knife, the edge of the knife to actually forcibly cut the, you know, the herbs. And like, there's just so much that it's just a lot. I don't, I've always thought about like making my own sober kitchen where I would take in people. Um, but that also has its problems and it's, you know, a lot of times those types of kitchens are, are, are just like the halfway houses, you know, it's a prop for, for, you know, to where to get drugs, where you, where you, right. where, you know. Right. Yeah. So do you cook for yourself? Do you cook for anyone? No, no, I don't. I don't. I, uh, yeah, so I don't. Do you read about food? Do you do anything? Yes, I'm. Oh man, I read about food. I I still research it all the time. I still have a plethora of books. I still write recipes that I could find. You know that I find interesting. That I, you know, I have conceptual knowledge of the way the food tastes. So I know what I'm thinking, and I know what this is supposed to. You know, the texture, the taste. You know, the consistency of something it all means something It you know, you taste not only with your eyes, but your nose, your ears, your, you know, the crunch of something, the everything, everything matters. And right. yeah, it's, I, yeah, I, I could see where, I could see where it just becomes so, so intense that you, it kind of makes your brain go nuts and, it also seems to be something that is not unique to you, that there are many people in a kitchen that have the same reaction that you do. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it's uh, got to be part of the environment. It's not just it's not just you. It's it's something weird about the intensity of the kitchen. I wonder I wonder. I mean, I've never been to culinary school and I guess you haven't either, but you must have talked to people who've been to culinary school. Um, do you think that they, that in culinary school, there's, they set you up in some ways to talk about perfection and all of that, that makes you even more intense? Or do you think it's just that people who are intense and um, perfectionistic tend to go into cooking? That is a great question. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I have worked with chefs who have graduated from the Johnson and Wales, the Culinary Institute of America, uh, the Nichols College, the John Foles uh, Nichols. And some of them have it. Some of them get in there and they have it. They, you just know it. You can just see when somebody has the, you know, when somebody has the ability to cook and hold themselves accountable for what they're doing, you can see it. Like you can feel their presence when people are there to just work the job. You know what they're doing. You know that they're there just, just to, just, you know, just to, to pod, pad their pockets. Where I think chefs, I. I just, I think 
I think you have to be bred into it. You, it, it's something that you have to like, you, you either live or you die by it because there's nothing easy in that kitchen. Nothing. There's no easy job. I don't even, I couldn't even tell you where the easy job was at. If you were to be like, Oh, this is, you know, just peel shrimp. That is not easy. You know, uh, you know, peeling 200 pounds of shrimp is not easy. Washing dishes is not, you know, and just having the mental fortitude to deal with people who don't want to do these things, because that's a lot of times what you're dealing with people who just don't want to be there, but they just you know? have and, a job. And so they just have a job and push them and, and cajole them and whatever you need to do. So, cause you need but, them to do what they're doing, but they don't have the passion that you have. They don't see the vision that you see they see it as oh, I got to cook this again. I have to cook this again where you're like, dude, somebody's going to eat this and they are going to be elated. Like this is going to like, this is going to change somebody's whole day. This is going to make this person's birthday. I'm going to make someone's anniversary tonight. You know, they're not customers. They're your guests. They're, they're there because they want to taste what you're creating. Not, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of line cooks look at it as I'm just cooking whatever you want me to cook, you know, where every day you have a, you have you have the responsibility to build yourself while you're there. You know, with that being said, you have to work hard. You have to put in the, you know, the effort and the long hours because nobody's going to do that for you. You're never going to. You're never going to get what you want out of it if you don't put the hard, hard work into it in the beginning. Right. Like, and I think a lot of chefs, when they go into culinary school, I think that's, I don't know if that's told to them. I really don't know. I have, I don't know. So but, do, you, do you think that some people have different kinds of addictions so that you have chefs who just eat and eat and eat and they have a food addiction or chefs that have sex addictions or other yeah, kinds of addictions yeah, yeah, besides of, of yeah yeah of, of course and like where you focus your addiction to i knew people who were just addicted to food and and, and that's all they wanted that's all they ever wanted was just food and like now they're huge they're big big right. fat <laughs> cooks like they're not even chefs they're just big fat cooks and I, I, you know, I didn't, I don't want that. And, but you know, I've had a, a sex addicted chef, um, you know, I worked for, and, you know, he would tell me about his accolades, I guess. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, cause, uh, you know, cause we would, we would talk because addiction is a real thing inside of the kitchen and, and mental health is very overlooked. I think in a lot of areas, just because, it is so much stress and you don't work regular hours like, you know, a regular human being. You work the craziest hours and you might be up until one o'clock in the morning and then your brain doesn't shut off until three or four. And then, you know, what are you doing during those times? There's nothing good happening in the, you know, in the midnight hour. Is there any way to change the kitchen so that it isn't that way? robots no <laughs> <laughs> dude they'll come to work 
They'll come to work when you want. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Uh, they come to work when you want. Uh, they don't call out. <laughs> so uh, they don't cut themselves or have accidents. They don't do anything. Oh, my. I'm, I, um, I really, I don't even, I don't know. It's, it's cultured around a crazy party type environment. I've never worked in a kitchen where I was like, this isn't fun. <laughs> you know, every kitchen I've ever worked in, I was like, this is fun. I'm having fun. And so I don't know. I wouldn't even know how to get out of that. Uh, there's no Zen kitchen. There's no quiet music. Not that I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. I'm not even going to lie. I love like, zenful quietness uh <laughs> i would i would die for that type of kitchen i mean i've i've seen like uh japanese style types kitchens where um i guess everybody knows what they're doing but they're, it's also a different dynamic there um it's it's not like here where here is it's you know we're making a check and we're trying to have some fun while we're making that check yeah. and it just it I don't know where the I don't know where it's going, but I'm definitely want to be a part of it. <laughs> Even so, as silly so, as it. <laughs> I have a question. So what about all these people who really, you know, the, the role of the chef has seriously changed in the past 25 years. So that chefs have gotten to be like rock stars and all of that. And so you've got all these people going to culinary school. And most of them were just going to be working in the kitchen as line cooks or whatever. And they probably have some horrible school debt to pay and they're making yeah. minimum wage or something. And so what, I mean, what does that mean in terms of the future? I know people go out to eat more than they ever have before and even grocery stores have shown that the prepared food in grocery stores sells more and drives the grocery store even more than the groceries now. So what does that, I mean, where is that going to take us? Liz. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's kind of disturbing. I always worry about people who pick one of the really expensive culinary schools and then they have horrible debt and then they are trying to pay it off at an impossible price because they aren't making enough money to, to pay it off. And the people who make money are the owners of the restaurant, you know, not the people who work there. And it's a worry because it seems that as the owner or the chef owner, you really need to be responsible in some way for the people who work there and for the tone of your kitchen and how you can help people not, not destroy themselves because they're working there. Yeah. It's, 
I'm going to be honest. I don't think culinary school is worth it just because what you can learn in the two years of culinary school, a year at a great restaurant with a great chef, you could learn 10 times that. Like, I mean, sure, you might not have everything, but there's books for that. Um, you know, there's course material that you can read. Uh, I'd like to... I'd like to see I'd like to see less focus on us like no that's not what I wanted to say <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> I just I see so many kids out there like wanting to do this and wanting to be a chef. And then when they actually get into it, this is nothing that they wanted or nothing that they expected it to be. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had to wash dishes at the end of a night where I just wanted to go home uh-huh. and, you know, my dishwasher is left and he don't want to do it anymore. Walks out, quits, whatever more times than I have fingers on my hands that has happened to me. And a lot of people aren't ready for that. Like a lot of people aren't ready for a 12 hour day of nothing but prepping and cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you never get out of it. Like, it's not like, Oh, I'm going to go take a 40 minute break to go eat my lunch. No, you eat your lunch standing over a garbage can as fast as you can, because you've got 10,000 other things you need to do with inside of this day. I just don't, it's just a lot that people don't think it really goes into all of this. And like, you know, these are people's lives that are inside of there that are making this food for you. And there's a little guy that's in there struggling right now. (laughs) It could be me. So, Joe, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Liz. I loved being on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans. Learn more and subscribe to this and other podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook on Nitty Grits Podcasts. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.